It's 8.05. If I wasn't presenting, I'd probably have my video off too. So no judgment here. <laughs> um, we are expecting about three or four more people, but while we wait, let's go ahead and get started since it is about five after um, consideration of everyone's time. We'll go ahead and get started and um, Rachel and I will keep an eye on the um, waiting room and admit guests as they arrive. We do have just a brief welcome. I wanted to thank everyone for joining us online today. I know it's not what we originally planned. So thank you for your flexibility and um, for meeting us back here on Zoom. It's been probably about eight or nine months since we've had an official Zoom chamber event. So um, it was a good stretch of being in person. <laughs> but here we are again. So thank you again for joining us. I'd like to introduce our staff that's on today, including our president, Joe Bauman. Thank you so much um, for your support. Cheryl Gerald, our operations manager, is logged on today. And Rachel DeVries, our membership engagement manager. I am Kelly Bennett, the marketing and event manager for the chamber. And I'd like to say a special welcome to our new chamber intern who's well, uh, joining us today, Sydney. Um, you'll see her friendly face around the office if, uh, you know, in the next few weeks when we're not working from home, um, she'll be at our events. And if you guys need anything or would like to meet her, please let us know. We can make that introduction. Um, Sydney is a student at Oakland University. Um, I'd also like to thank our ambassadors who are on today. We uh, are nothing without our ambassadors. They are a wonderful group of our cheerleaders and supporters and um I see several of them on the call. So thank you so much for being here this morning. With that, I'm going to go ahead um, and introduce our speaker for this morning's Professional Edge Workshop, which is titled, Nobody Can Tell Your Story Better Than You, A Guide to Podcasting in 2022. Um, our speaker is John Gay. John started JAG and Detroit podcast in 2018, following a 15-year career in radio, including locally at Channel 955 and 98.7 Amp Radio. He uses his expertise in audio production and content creation to build broadcast quality, branded podcasts for small and large businesses, as well as nonprofits. He lives in Birmingham with his wife and dog and joins us today from his home studio in Birmingham. Welcome, John. Thanks, Kelly, and thanks, everybody from the chamber. Thanks, everybody, for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to attempt to share my PowerPoint here as an audio guy, not a video guy. So if this does not work, let me know. But I think we've worked out the kinks. So can everybody see my screen? Yes, you're good. Okay, excellent. So, uh, Rachel, Kelly, should I start? Yes, you can. <laughs> right, Go for excellent. it. All right. So uh, thank you, everybody, for having me this morning. I appreciate you spending a little bit of time with me uh, before the sun comes up or the sun's sort of coming up. I can sort of see at my studio window here. Um, as I said in the uh, tagline, or as Kelly said, nobody can tell your story better than you, and hopefully I can help. I want to give you a guide to podcasting here this morning. So let's see here. There is a stereotype about podcasting. This clip kind of resurfaced when Betty White passed about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago now. So let me know if you can hear this. You can hear that? Yeah. Okay, excellent. 
I'm Margaret Jo McCullough. And I'm Terry Rialto. And, and you're listening, listening to The Delicious Dish on National Public Radio. And it's one of our favorite holidays on Delicious Dish. That's right, Margaret Jo. Every year for one day, we celebrate and say thank you to Dietary, dietary fiber. fiber. So that's kind of the stereotype that it used to exist for podcasts. This clip was from 2010 when Betty White hosted Saturday Night Live, and they did it as National Public Radio, but that would probably be a podcast if they were doing that sketch today. And the idea is, don't do that. <laughs> you want to leave out all the boring and the slow-paced, hey, how's it going, and get to the point. People have a limited time frame, have a limited attention span. That's why I didn't play the whole six-minute clip, even though it's hilarious. So what you want to do is at the beginning of your podcast, you want to set the table and manage expectations. Start off with something engaging, not that, uh, and start off um, with what you're going to cover in your podcast, which is what I'm going to do for you now. I'm going to cover three things today. Why podcasting can help your business, some current stats about where we are in podcasting as we get into 2022, and then also how to actually do a podcast with some best practices. So audio is a very powerful thing. Whereas video is pretty expensive to produce in a lot of cases, if you want it done well. And if you only consume video, or you should only consume video, when stationary. Not while you're walking the dog, not while you're driving your car. We've all been next, uh, next to somebody in traffic watching YouTube video. Please don't do that. But And the video also, this is interesting, it engages less of the brain because the visual is right there for you. So you remember the TV being called the idiot box back in the day. You, all you got to do is sit there and veg out. The picture is right in front of you. Whereas with audio, it's less expensive and time-consuming to produce. You can consume it on the go. And there's an intimacy to it like your favorite radio host. So if you grew up here and you grew up listening to Dave and Chuck, Drew and Mike, Mojo, Paul W. Smith, any of those iconic morning radio people here in Detroit, you felt like you knew them because they were in the car or on the school bus with you. You heard them every morning. And that intimacy of audio really made it feel like you had a relationship with them, and that's what a successful podcaster can do. And this is interesting, 36% more, percent more memorable than video because you have to engage your brain. A podcast or a radio show, you have to paint the picture so your listener has to actually visualize what you're talking about. It makes them more engaged. And with it be, it's more memorable, and as evidenced with the clip I'm here about to play, you will probably elicit some thought or emotion when you hear this clip. I promise that's probably my last Betty White reference of the morning. But then you heard that music, you either smiled because you thought of the show when you watched it, when you laughed, or you made a little sad thinking of Betty White or something like that. But just hearing that audio with no video stirred up a memory and an emotional response in you, most likely. I can't see your faces, I'm just going to assume. Some general benefits of podcasting. Look, it's built for the smartphone. The smartphones are with us everywhere we go. I have separation anxiety if I'm more than five feet away from my phone for more than five minutes. Instant information in your hand. If you've got a long car ride, it's a great way to spend time. And this is interesting, too. When we watch Shark Tank, reasonably root for the people on Shark Tank is not because they came in and hawked the latest, you know, uh, dog poop bag or whatever they're selling. We got their whole story. And we connected with these people because we got their story. And that's the similar intimacy with podcasts, as I mentioned, like radio morning show hosts. ROI, that's a return on investment, both time and effort for podcasting. It lives forever. 
It can be repurposed as a blog post. You can put it out on social media. You can publish it. Part of a growing library of content. I'll get to some of this later, but SEO, it can really help your website's SEO. We've all seen the dreaded sales marketing funnel. We've all seen variations of this, probably ad nauseum at this point. But the podcast skips a couple steps here in the funnel. Unaware and leads, if somebody's listening to your podcast, you're gonna skip those parts because they're not getting they're already engaged with you, they're already aware of you, and they're probably interested if they've listened to your podcast. And this makes it really easy to track your leads. Call it action or a vanity URL. If you've listened to a podcast, you may have heard, hey, you know, we're brought to you by Mattress Firm. If you like, you know, what you're hearing today, you want to check out Mattress Firm, we've got a 40% off deal for you. Go to mattressfirm.com slash our podcast, whatever that vanity URL is, that lets your advertisers track who came to your website. Or before you have advertisers, if you're trying to use it, this as lead generation, you can say, hey, you can, if you want a special deal only for my podcast listeners on your first package on my website, go to mywebsite.com slash podcast. You can actually see how many clicks you get, and track in real time the analytics of who came because of your podcast. You go from leads and relationships to skeptics and fans. I love this quote. Creating an audio campaign is a sought-after opportunity to connect your brand across multiple screenless worlds. We're not always in front of a screen. It feels like it. But when we're not looking at a screen, it's a great way to connect your brand. Another thing you can do on your podcast is interview influencers. I mean, this is a true statement. Who doesn't want to talk about themselves? Uh, If they want to come on your show as a guest, it's a chance for somebody to tell their story, but it's also a valuable opportunity for you. If you have a subject matter expert on your show, it adds your credibility, and you can tap into their network. If you have a guest on your show, make sure when the show is published, you give them a link to share on their social media, on their LinkedIn, across their networks, so that not only are you reaching your audience, you're also reaching their network. Shows a personal touch if you can have a one-on-one conversation. Obviously, somebody gets to know you a little bit. And I guess I mentioned this before, SEO. I am not an SEO expert. I know just enough to be dangerous, but I do know that Google loves original content. A podcast is original content. You can write your show notes with keywords you want to optimize for so long as they're relevant to the content you're talking about. Because Google can't listen to audio, but Google can scan text. So if your website has your podcast and a description of your show or a blog post about your podcast, that can really help your SEO. If anybody has any questions at any point as we're going along, uh, raise your hand or in the function or in the chat. I know Kelly and Rachel are monitoring that, and they will interrupt me if we have any questions. Excuse me. Okay, quick stats here. I'm not going to spend long on stats. I don't want to put you to sleep with numbers this early in the morning, but these are some important stats that I've pulled out about where we are right now as we turn the page from 21 to 22 in podcasting. First, we're going to compare it to radio. Obviously, that's my background in radio, so I found these interesting. If you look at all of radio versus podcasting, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, you know, for every hour of podcast, people listen to 25 hours of radio. We're in a much different world now. That's shrunk from 25 to 1 to 6 to 1. A better comparison, though, is talk radio versus podcasting because podcasting is kind of like talk radio or what we refer to in radio terms as spoken word audio. That contains news, talk, sports, politics. So think 
WWJ, WJR, the ticket, any talk format. It doesn't have to just be a talk show. So if we look at spoken word radio versus podcasts, in 2014, it was 10 to 1. By last year, it was 2 to 1. For every uh, two hours of spoken word radio, people were listening to one hour of podcast. That's a huge jump in just seven years. And this is just a quick graphic of what I just explained. You can see over the last seven years, the share of AM, FM radio shrinking and the share of podcasts growing. Among weekly podcast listeners, people who listen to podcasts every week, the average is five shows, 5.1, 5.1 shows a week. So you've uh, got five chances, basically, to get that podcast listener. And in terms of people who are familiar with podcasts, this uh, survey in Edison Research's Infinite Dial goes all the way back to 2006. In 2006, 22% of people knew what a podcast was. As of spring last year, 78% or 222 million U.S. adults aged 12 and up. That is obviously a big difference. You've probably heard a lot about podcasting in the last couple of years, especially in the pandemic. This shows you how much it has grown. There is a stereotype that podcasts are only for young people. That is not true. This is uh, in five-year increments, 2011, 2016, 2021, broken out by age. So yes, half of podcast listeners were 12 to 34, and then 35 to 54. 21% of podcast listeners, one out of every five, is age 55 and up. It is not a situation where people just, excuse me, stop listening to podcasts at a certain age. Think about how grandma and grandpa got on Zoom in the pandemic and learned how to use that. The pandemic was kind of a boon for podcasting because people were home, people were learning new technologies, and everybody of every age started listening to podcasts. Excuse me. Also, it's getting to be a more diverse field. So podcasters used to be kind of a white man's game in terms of creators and oftentimes audience. Now, in terms of gender and ethnicity, the podcasting population is much more representative of the U.S. population as a whole. And that, of course, is a great thing for everybody. As the field gets more diverse, we have more diverse voices in podcasting. Okay. First thing you need for podcasting. I can think I can open the chat here. So if anybody has a quick uh, quick. Uh, guess here, want to put it in the chat, or if anybody wants to just kind of shout it out. The first thing you need when you want to start podcasting, anybody want to guess what that is? That's a good Rachel voice. Yes, that's that that's sort of correct. Anybody else want to take a quick stab at this before we move on? Oh, John and Annie, look at you guys. Yes, a script, or more generally speaking, a plan. It is crowded out there. We're going to do who, what, when, where, why. Who are your hosts going to be? And who are your guests going to be? You want to have that idea mapped out before you turn the mic on and start saying, so yeah, dietary fiber. What is your show going to be about? Please, please, please know that before you start recording. How often is your show going to be every week, every month? Generally speaking, one to two a month is good. It's going to depend on what you're talking about. If you've got really timely content, maybe that's weekly, maybe that's daily, but consistency is key. You want to set that expectation with your audience of, okay, a new podcast is coming out today. I know that I listen to the daily from the New York Times. I know that's posted 6 a.m. every weekday morning. I listen to a Patriots podcast. I'm a Patriots fan. I know there's a recap of Sunday's game up by the time I get up Tuesday morning. 
And this is important and overlooked by a lot of folks. Where do you have a good recording space for your show? So, I mean, obviously, because I do this full time, I'm in a studio that's got sound dampening all over the walls. But really, in your home, you just want to avoid hard, flat, reflective surfaces. Don't record in your kitchen. Don't record in a bathroom. Don't record in a room with really high ceilings or a lot of echo. Bedrooms are good. Living rooms are good. Couches are good with couch cushions. A lot of people will do it in their closet because they have a million things hanging around them that aren't hard, flat surfaces. Cuts down on that echo. And also, will your co-host be with you or will they be remote? We'll get into more of that a little bit later. And really, you got to answer, as with anything, the why. Why are you doing this? Is it just a hobby? Is it going to be a branding tool for your business? Or the classic, someone said, hey, John, you're funny. You should have a podcast. If you want it, if that's your reasoning, great. Um, but this is going to be more for the serious podcast that we're talking about today. Now, there's a myth about the podcasting space being too crowded. As of last summer, there were 2.3 million podcasts out there. I believe that number is closer to 3 or 3.5 million today, which is intimidating. How am I going to compete against 3.5 million podcasts? Well, it's not as crowded as you think. So if you look at the chart here, shows in purple are ones that have created content in the last 90 days. Shows in orange have not put out a new episode in the last three months. That's kind of impressive when you look at the graph there. So when you do the math and you look that of all these 2.3 million shows, only 300,000 have both done 10 or more episodes and have put out content in the last 90 days, you're only competing with 14% of all those podcasts. It's a lot less crowded than you might think. I'm going to get into a little bit of equipment and software and the how-to with this kind of stuff if you want to start a podcast. All right. Some of you may have this. It is the Blue Yeti microphone. It is the best marketed microphone to podcasters out there. It is the one microphone you should not use when starting a podcast. Here's why. They, if you look at the documentation on it, it claims to be able to record multiple people with different settings. They market it as you put it down in the middle of a table, you put five people around it, and you can record everybody. Well, probably not going to work because you're not that close to the mic. It's going to be a lot of echo in the room. People's voices naturally come in at different volumes, and you're going to have a mess trying to put this thing together. Without getting too technical, there are two categories of microphones as far as the guts on the inside of it. Condenser and dynamic. A condenser mic is built for treated rooms that will pick up everything around it. So that means if you're recording in your living room and an 18 wheeler drives by and pulls it and beeps its horn, that podcast mic is going to pick it up. It might pick up traffic outside. A condenser mic is going to pick up everything. And this goes for about a hundred bucks, maybe a little bit more depending on which version you get. Don't worry, if you have one, I can help you work with it so you're not out 100 bucks. This is the mic to get. People ask me all the time what kind of mic to get. You can spend thousands or hundreds of dollars on a mic. When you're starting a podcast, this is the one. It is made by Samsung, S-A-M-S-O-N. It is called the Q2U. It is on Amazon and everywhere else for about 70 bucks. Advantages, it comes with two different types of connections. XLR is those little three-pin microphone cords you've probably seen. Or USB, if you want to record right on your computer, you pull this thing out of the box, you plug the USB into the microphone, plug it into your computer, and you're good to go. Super simple to use. 
It's a dynamic microphone, which means it's going to pick up more of your voice and less background noise if you're not in a perfect room. And it's even cheaper than the other one. It's about 70, 80 bucks, depending on what bells and whistles you get with it. That is the absolute mic to get when I have a new podcasting client. I tell them, get that one, or I send them one. That is the way to go. Now, if you're recording your podcast in person, a few different ways you can go with recordings. I do not recommend putting uh, multiple people on the same computer. For one, a computer, if you have multiple USB mics, it won't take the audio off multiple USBs, so don't do that. This guy here on the left, it's known as the Zoom, not to be confused, Zoom that we're on now. It's a different Zoom. It's an audio recorder company, and there are different versions of these up and down in price. This one goes for about $250. It's the H4N. It's got microphone. um, uh, uh, You plug two microphones into the bottom of them with those XLR cables, those connections, and you can take that anywhere you go. If you're doing a lot of field work, if you're going to be out and about in um, in the atmosphere, you put the batteries in this thing, you plug your two microphones in, you go record anywhere you want. Or you can even put it on your kitchen table and have two people with two microphones recording into it. If you are recording two microphones into one computer, you can use something like this. It's the Focusrite Scarlet. You can see here there are two jacks for microphones, and you can and control each individual microphone. There's a USB out in this right to your computer. If you're really serious about this, if you're not on a budget or if you have a marketing budget and you're spending the company's dollars and not out of your pocket, the Rodecaster Pro is what I'm using right now. Retails for about 600 bucks. Um, and it's got four microphone inputs. It's got a USB. If you're talking to somebody on Zoom, it's got a, uh, a TRS jack if you wanted to plug your phone into it. And it also has Bluetooth connections. This is the Cadillac of podcast recording and it's fairly portable too, but you do have to plug it in where you go. That is the the beast and the best investment I've ever made in my business. Now, if you're recording remotely, as most of us are doing, and I have to say, even now, as hopefully we get near the end of the pandemic, 95% of my clients, I record remotely from here in my studio. Get that Samsung Q2U mic, plug it in and you're good. Do not use these platforms. Um, I, you know, we're on Zoom and Zoom is great for meetings and presentations like we're doing now. But What happens with Zoom is, and you've all heard this, it doesn't sound like a human voice. It's got that hollow, something just sounds off about it in a lot of cases. It doesn't sound like somebody's in the same room as you. Same with Skype and Teams. And the reason for that is there are many frequencies in the human voice. And Zoom and a lot of these programs will pull out those frequencies from the voice to make the file size smaller to make the uh, meeting go a lot smoother for streaming, for downloading the uh, recordings afterwards. The file size is smaller because parts of the voice are missing. It obviously leaves the parts of the voice in that you need uh, to understand what somebody's saying, but it takes parts of it out. There are a number, as podcasting has blown up over the last few years, there are a number of alternatives. Um, These are four that I love. Squadcast is my favorite personally, but they all have different bells and whistles. Some will let you stream video to YouTube and Facebook as you're recording. Some have apps for uh, iOS and for Android. Some are better with audio. Some are better with video. These are the four that I really like that are the leaders in the space. And I would say if you want to record a podcast remotely and you want it to sound like you're in the same room, even if you might be in Birmingham and your guest is in Phoenix and your other guest is in Tokyo, if they've got good mics, you can sound like you're in the same room. Just check each four of these out and see which one has the specifics that are going to be best for you. Typically, they run about $10, $20 a month, relatively inexpensive to use. And the way they work is they record your audio locally on your computer in Chrome, so no software to install, 
and then it uploads. So if you have a hiccup in your internet connection, it's not going to be in that final product because everything's recorded locally and then uploaded to the cloud. Then you download the files. Please have somebody edit your show or edit your show yourself. I'm going to give you a quick demo here. This is a before and after. This is a podcast I recorded with um, with a financial advisor. And this is how it sounded. This is how a clip of it sounded before editing and after editing. So here's the before. I, I think so. So let me ask you this. And you, you said that it doesn't always work and make sense to use an annuity. But why should people use annuities? And what are the advantages of doing so? I, I'm sorry. You have to repeat that. For some reason, Siri kicked in. Oh, okay. Took okay. over the controls. <laughs> so, so Philip, you mentioned why sometimes an annuity isn't always the best move, but why should people use an annuity? What are the advantages to doing so? Well, there's there's several fold. Uh, one is that it, on an equity index, you can get some market uh, performance or participation uh, without any downside risk. So aside from the subject matter, that was kind of painful because there's a lot of ums and uhs and stuff will happen as you're doing a podcast. Like you said, Siri cut him off. He was on a Mac and he wasn't quite sure what to what what I asked. I had to repeat the question. This is the same clip, much shorter, edited. Philip, you mentioned why sometimes an annuity isn't always the best move, but why should people use an annuity? What are the advantages to doing so? There's several fold. One is that on an equity index, you can get some market performance or participation without any downside risk. Much sim- much shorter, much simpler, much easier to deal with. That was uh, a lot less painful, even though we're talking about you know finances and stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. So there are a number of software uh, programs you can use if you want to edit on your own. Uh, GarageBand comes with every Mac, as far as I know. I'm a Windows guy, not a Mac guy, full disclosure. A lot of people who edit podcasts on their own and might be on a tight budget, they use a program called Audacity. Just like you have the Audacity to podcast, that's all available on PC and Mac. Um, I use Adobe Audition. If you have uh, Adobe Premiere or Adobe Photoshop or you have a various Adobe Suite, then uh, Adobe Audition may be part of that. If you want to buy it as a standalone, I think it's a license and I believe it's $22.50 a month. Mac also has a higher-end program called Logic. There's a couple podcast-specific editing programs. They're designed for podcasters like Hindenburg and Reaper. Um, Pro Tools is a very high end that a lot of uh, music studios use. But the end of the day, and this is the quote from a podcast editors group I belong to on Facebook, the best DAW, it's a digital audio workstation, the best DAW is the one that you're comfortable with. You can use any of these. Whatever you feel most comfortable with is going to be the one for you to use. I I think so. So let me ask you this. Okay. Next question I get. How long should my podcast be? Well, it depends. Too short is better than too long. You've heard the cliche, leave them wanting more. The last thing you want is to say, oh, I'm going to do a 30-minute podcast. You get to 24 minutes and you say, oh, well, okay, we're we're kind of done. Um, Okay, so uh, eating any good restaurants lately? Boy, this uh, this Omicron, oof, this is bad. You don't need any of that stuff. Once you're done, you're done. It's not a television show. It's not a radio show. You don't have a specific number you need to hit. A 30-minute podcast could end up being 21 minutes and 7 seconds. It could end up being 36 minutes and 13 seconds. It doesn't matter. When you're done, you're done. People have limited attention spans. You don't want to waste their time because then you're going to, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, you're going to annoy them and they're probably not going to come back. Uh, There used to be a 22-minute myth because that was the length of a sitcom without commercials. And it was the average American uh, commuter length to work. 
it's it's artificial. You don't need that. If your show is long, people will just listen on demand. You know, Joe Rogan, for example, is sometimes two, three hours. And people who listen to his show will just come back to it and listen to it when they have a few minutes. Two things you need to start your podcast, trailer and artwork. So podcaster uh, trailer can be, you know, quick, like one to three minutes. Like a movie trailer, it's a teaser for a new listener without having to commit to a full episode. If they see your episode is 15 or 30 or 60 minutes and they don't want to commit that long, they'll listen to the two-minute trailer and get a hint of what you're about. Also, if you're doing the production on your first full episode, once you have the trailer done, as long as well as the artwork, you can then submit to Apple, Spotify, and the podcast apps while you're still working on a full podcast episode. Let them go through their approval process while you're working on the full thing. It's a nice quick way to get a jump start on the process. Your artwork, this is uh, for the requirements for graphics. Your artwork has to be square, not rectangular, so height mat matches width. Minimum 1,600 pixels by 1,600 pixels, max of 3,000 by 3,000. And keep in mind, most people are going to see this artwork on their phone. So communicate what your show is about in the picture. If you want to use faces of the host, that's totally fine, too. People tend to connect with faces. But give me a snapshot and a picture, if you can, of what the podcast is about. Don't go nuts coming up with the coolest design ever. Tell me in a snapshot what you're about. So a couple examples here. So these are podcast artworks for shows that I've worked on. My podcast in the top left. Uh, we got to do a podcast with Scene Magazine and Danielle Carmanis called Karma Has Spoken a couple of years ago. Some financial advisors. So these are all different, um, you know, different samples of podcast artwork. And as far as trailers, I will give you, let's see, let me, be, let me do this one first. So recently I worked with Care House of Oakland County. And if you're not familiar with them, they are a child advocacy center. They deal with children and families uh, following child abuse, any kind of child abuse. We actually were fortunate enough to have Karen Newman from the Red Wings narrate our podcast and narrate our trailer. So if you don't listen to a 10 or 15 minute full length episode, you can listen to Karen's minute and a half trailer explaining what it's about. Oops, wrong one. Hang on. Welcome to it's season six of the Marrow Masters podcast of cancer. Let's try that again. That very few of us. Let's try that. Here we go. It's a subject that very few of us are willing to talk about, but we all should. One in 10 kids will be abused before they turn 18. Child abuse happens everywhere. It affects kids in every school, in every neighborhood, in every town, everywhere in the country. But unless we talk about it, it can never be treated and never be prevented. So we're going to talk about it. Care House of Oakland County presents the podcast named for a simple fact. It shouldn't hurt to be a child. Oakland County, Michigan is like the places where a quarter of Americans live. It's the suburbs. Care House is the nonprofit children's advocacy center dedicated to treating and preventing abuse. We take you inside the organization's work to learn how abuse doesn't have to define a life and how a community can rally behind a cause to help keep kids safe. Only through conversation can we begin to address this problem and help our kids. It shouldn't hurt to be a child. Made possible by the generous support of Cheryl Houck and can be found on all your favorite platforms. 
So that's a teaser. That is just like a movie trailer. Give me an idea of what to expect in the podcast. The other thing you can do with the trailer, if you are planning on batch releasing all your episodes, if you have done all the production work and say you've got an interview podcast, you have all the interviews done, you can use clips of the podcast in your trailer. Again, much similar to a movie trailer. For example, Marrow Masters on the bottom left there, that is a podcast that I've worked on with the folks, the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link out in Commerce. They deal with people who have had a bone marrow transplant, whether it's um, the survivor, the spouse, the support system, the family. When we've done six seasons on it at this point, this is a trailer for season six specifically talking about survivorship. And what we did here is we took um, voices of survivors and weaved it throughout the trailer. Welcome to season six of the Marrow Masters podcast series, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Insight Corporation, and Cadmin. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and their families cope with the psychosocial challenges of transplant, from diagnosis through survivorship. Season six focuses on advice for dealing with graft versus host disease. We'll hear from healthcare professionals on the front lines of this disease. We're able to kind of go from head to toe to really explore all of the potential symptoms or signs that they might be having that suggest, you know, an involvement by graft versus host disease. There are innovative clinical trials being done so that there are opportunities for getting exposed to potentially life-saving drugs that are used in graft-versus-host disease. We'll also hear from patients who have many different perspectives on cancer and GVHD. The benefits of cancer, my daughters came home and didn't leave. Number two, losing my hair was not a big deal. It actually saved so much on shampoo, conditioner, and not to mention the haircuts and hair coloring visits. Because I'm African-American, donors are very low for any, any minority. And I try to help out by doing some conferences or seminars and things like that. I try to support this whole bone marrow transplant um, with African-Americans. You have to be patient with yourself, your body, because the disease is very much like a roller coaster. And the relationship within the clinic setting, it feels kind of scripted sometimes. And so advocating for yourself, I find is a way to help bridge that gap and create an opportunity for a conversation that provides information that the doctors need, that the patients need. Don't miss season six of the Marrow Masters podcast. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on the Marrow Masters podcast series and the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org. So you can see there, that was, there was some emotion in there because we had uh, voices of survivors. We had voices of cancer doctors. And hopefully that makes somebody who is dealing with this terrible graft versus host disease the complication that comes from a bone marrow transplant uh, m makes them want to listen and get some information from the podcast. Once you publish your podcast, there are two steps. The first step is a host, just like your website. Uh, and John Eisenberg on the call will tell you your website needs to be hosted somewhere. Your podcast needs to be hosted somewhere. Uh, three of the big ones are Blueberry, Libsyn, and Simplecast. They're all great. I happen to use Simplecast. What you'll do is when you have your podcast finished, you will upload that MP3 to your host, and from there it will go out to everywhere else. Think of a, a wheel, a hub and spoke kind of thing. And let's see here. It has to live somewhere. You pay for this. This is the part you pay for, and then it's free to be on all the apps. 
Uh, most hosts are going to charge you about 15 bucks a month. I've seen them as low as five, but this is a good rate because it's not very expensive and you can get all your analytics. You can see how many people have downloaded your show and stuff like that. There are free hosts. You may have seen uh, Anchor in the news. That's actually owned by Spotify now. But beware anything that's free. Nothing is really free. There are questions among the free hosts as to who actually owns your content. It's a really gray area right now. So unless you're on a really, really tight budget, I recommend, I recommend rather, a reputable host like above. To publish your podcast, you need your audio, which can be just your trailer, or if you don't want to do a trailer, your first episode. So one piece of audio and then the show artwork. Once you have those, you put your artwork and your audio into your host, and they will spit out a URL that is known as your RSS feed. This is where everything pulls from. For example, that is the big, messy RSS feed for my podcast. Once you have that feed, you're going to copy-paste, and that's what you're going to use to submit to Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else. The big ones you need to send your, uh, your podcast to as far as podcast apps are these three. Apple Podcasts is far and away number one. Spotify is making a run at them and could catch them in 2022. Some people say they've already caught them. Depends on your numbers and how you look at it. And Google Podcasts really kind of slacked off in the previous uh, few years, but have really come on in the last year or two with their podcasts. Those are the three you absolutely, positively must, should have to be on. Because every other podcast app, each of them, is less than 2% of app listening. You may have a podcast app you like. You may have a friend that likes a certain app, but each of them is less than 2% of your total listening. That said, put it everywhere you want. It's free. Go where your audience is. Every podcast that I do for Klein, I also submit to Amazon, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. There are others. Um, being everywhere is not going to hurt you. It can only help you. Definitely go to those first three, but you're more than welcome to go to all the other ones. This is important, too. You want to put your podcast on YouTube, and that does not mean you have to be on camera for your podcast. Um YouTube is one of the big ways that people are searching for podcasts, Google searches. So with YouTube, even if you put just the audio there with your show artwork and it's a still image, how many times have you Googled something, you get a YouTube result? Because as you may know, Google owns YouTube. So that will help your searchability to put your show on YouTube. And this is new. If you have a Facebook business page, it doesn't work for personal pages yet, but if you have a business page, they now have an option to connect that RSS feed to your Facebook page. So far, only out on mobile, not out on the Facebook desktop app. But if you have a new podcast that publishes, Facebook will show people who follow your page on their phones the new episode of the podcast, and you can listen in Facebook. So I recommend doing that if you have a Facebook business page. You can also create a Facebook group among your podcasts if you want to um, if you want to have a big group for your podcast because Facebook prioritizes groups now. You can foster discussion about your podcast there. And put your show everywhere. Promote your show everywhere. Um, every single podcast that I do for my podcast, um, the Jag Show podcast, I put it on Facebook. My pers- um, I also put a link on my personal page as well. It automatically goes to the professional page. I put a link on my personal page. I will put a clip on Instagram. I'll put it on Twitter. LinkedIn is great, especially if you're a professional business-focused podcast. And then YouTube, as I mentioned. put your. I even put shows on TikTok. TikTok has a limit of up to three minutes. You can, if you have a clip from your show, put it there. You want to put your show in as many places as possible. The top three ways people find podcasts, Google and Internet and YouTube search. So when you write your notes for your show, which is going to be that little description of your show, keep that in mind. That's how stuff people are going to, Google is going to find your podcast by title, by author, and then by the show notes. Next is old school word of mouth. 
How many times have you had a friend or a family member tell you, oh, I heard this great podcast. It's about this topic you're interested in. You would love it. Or new school word of mouth, social media. Big myth, Apple podcast charts have nothing to do with anything. <laughs> People will say, oh, I, you probably, if you have a podcast, have gotten an email. Let me get you to the top of the Apple charts. Let me do that. Most of them are scammers. Most of them have bots and hacks. And just like Google, if you try to hack your way to the top of Google search results, you'll get punished. Don't try to game the system. Apple will find you. Apple will punish you, potentially kick you out. People do not find podcasts by looking at what's at the top of the Apple charts, generally speaking. They find it with those three methods above. But what you may find out is if you're putting in all these social media platforms, you may not show up in people's feeds. You may not. Did you see the thing I put up on Facebook? Oh, no, Facebook didn't show me that damn algorithm. Well, social media apps are great. But another thing you can do um, is ask people to follow your show, which we used to say subscribe. Now the industry term is follow. And the reason for that is there are now paid subscription models on Apple and other platforms. So the idea of subscribe implies it's going to cost you money. Follow, like on Twitter, is free. So the uh, proper industry term now is follow and not subscribe. So if you follow the show in Apple or Spotify, Apple and Spotify will tell them every time you put out a new episode. Also, consider an email list. If you can get people to sign up for an email list for your podcast, you can send them a new an email every time a new episode comes out. It'll land in their inbox. And if they've opted in, they're always going to see your communication. You can offer what means known as a lead magnet. For those of you who don't know, that's just a, an enticement for signups, whether that's exclusive content that you're not going to get in the podcast or, hey, I'm going to give you 20% off your next purchase if you sign up for my email. Or I'm going to give you, like in my case, I might say, I'm going to give away a microphone and a podcast starter pack if you subscribe to the email, um, to my podcast email, which I'm on my to-do list for 2022, by the way. <laughs> who has gone to a restaurant and seen this? QR codes were dead at the beginning of 2019. They were a fail. Nobody cared. Nobody used them. And then the pandemic hit. And now how many times have you gone to a restaurant and instead of a menu where you're going to keep handling it and passing it to everybody else, they, hey, scan this QR code with your phone. If you were to scan this QR code right now, uh, if you pulled out your phone and scanned your screen, that would take you to my podcast. So a QR code works great. You can put it on business cards. You can put it on a website. You could post a picture of it on social media where it's real easy for somebody to find your podcast just by scanning that QR code. Again, QR codes have come back with a vengeance in the last two years. Another question I get, Joe Rogan, love him or hate him, is the biggest name in podcasting. Spotify paid him $100 million to go exclusively to their platform. How do I make all that money? Well, you're probably not going to. In fact, this is important. You probably aren't going to make money off of your podcast in the first one to three years that you're doing it. If you're trying to make a quick buck, it's not going to happen. People often bail on the top right here on podcasting after eight episodes when they, it becomes a chore for them. Or after the first year, they say, hey, this didn't make me any money. I'm gone. What's important to know about Rogan is he spent probably a decade and a half, developing his brand and building a following and building an audience. That's why so many people listen to his show. He has spent time building a relationship with that audience. So your goal in podcasting short and medium term shouldn't be to make money. It should be to connect with your audience, create content, create brand awareness, build a loyal following. Now, as far as advertisers go, if you've got a really niche podcast, you might find a sponsor. 
Um, but the big advertisers, the mattress firms, the sleep numbers, the zip recruiters, they're going to wait until you have oodles and oodles of downloads per each episode. That's a technical term, oodles. Uh, maybe tens of thousands of downloads per episode before you are going to get the big, big, big national brands. That said, you may have heard in the Marrow Masters trailer, it's sponsored by various pharmaceutical companies. Pharmaceutical companies have really, really deep pockets. And this is a podcast about bone marrow transplant and survivorship. It made a ton of sense for them to invest in the podcast. Uh, I have uh, a couple of clients that have pharmaceutical clients underwriting their podcast. That pays for my podcast fees. It pays for everything they need with their podcast too. If you have a podcast about basket weaving, maybe you only have 20 listeners, but I bet you a basket company really want to get in front of those 20 listeners. With a nod to a Detroit icon, we say this, your audience is making a large time commitment to listen to your show. Please don't waste their time with endless banter and tangents like, again, the new breakfast place around the corner. Poor quality audio. That is an instant turnoff for a lot of listeners. You may remember when YouTube first came out, people would watch anything on a computer. Oh, wow, I can watch a video on my computer. Now, 15, 20 years later, if there's bad video and you can't really see what's going on, you've gone. You've clicked away. Same thing with podcasting. It used to be you could record, you know, by shouting into your iPhone from across the room. It's going to be a real turnoff now. Also, and you've all, I'm sure, heard a podcast like this, inconsistent volume. You've got one host who's really loud, and then you've got another host who's really quiet. And if you're in the car, especially, and you're fiddling with that volume knob as opposed to paying attention to the road because somebody's loud and quiet and loud and quiet and loud and quiet – it's a huge turnoff. Make sure your hosts are at a consistent volume, ideally when you're recording, but if not in your post-production and your editing. And, um, you know, um, you know, like the, um, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, um, the, the other stuff. Um, it's real easy to edit a lot of that out. I'm not saying you have to take out every, um, and every, ah. Uh, that's very tedious. You might ask your guest a question. That's a really good question. And they might say, ah, oh, wow. Let me think about that for a second. That's important to the context. You asked a really good question. You can leave something like that. But if you take out a lot of those things, a lot of the false starts on sentences, generally, and this is just anecdotal evidence from myself, when I edit a client's podcast, I can cut about 10% of the length off it. They send me 60 minutes of audio, it's 54 when I'm done. They send me 30, it's 27 when I'm done. Because I've cut out a lot of that extraneous stuff, false start sentences. Hey, I really didn't like the way I answered that question. Do you mind if I answer it again? Can you ask me that question again? Stuff like that, which by the way, is a great benefit of podcasting. Audio is very forgiving. You can make yourself sound like a genius, even if you stumble through the whole interview. I've done that for myself many times. Finally, my contact info is on here. Uh, my phone number, 313-757-2JAG, which is 2524. You can send me an email. I'm on every social media platform at JAG in Detroit. And my website is jagindetroit.com. Uh, with that, I will stop sharing my screen, and I will uh, <coughs> have to take any questions. Um, if anyone has any questions for John, feel free to unmute yourself. Um, ask a question if you're uncomfortable asking it verbally. Feel free to type it in the chat box. We can monitor questions there as well. Um, that was a lot of great information. Um, and I think everyone here really has a blueprint on how how to start a podcast if, if they so choose. So it, thank you. It's a lot of information. And I know I kind of hit you with a lot of stuff this morning, but I'm happy to walk through it with anybody step by step. Or if anybody has questions specifically about the process, I'm always happy to answer those if anybody wants to jump in. Thank you. Any questions for John?
I don't have a question, but I just want to say thank you. It was great information. I've already been looking into it with uh, a co-host mm-hmm. and a lo- you just validated a lot of things that we found. So <laughs> thank you so much for that. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And as you get started, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to chat. I definitely will. Thank you. I'm so glad you found some benefit um, to today's workshop. Any questions from anybody else? Amy just unmuted. Um, I do have a couple questions. Yes, ma'am. I have lots of questions, actually. Um, <laughs> do you do you help coach the people that are on your show, or do you like do you help them put the content together, or anything like that, or is it just kind of up to them? That is a great question, Annie. Thank you for asking. And it was a slide I was going to put in, but I cut for time, so thank you for asking. Um, I offer, with my services, I offer three levels of service. I have clients that record on their own. They Dropbox me the audio. I edit it. I Dropbox it back to them. Lickety split, done. Um, I have some clients that I record the show for them. I just kind of hit the record button. And then I have some clients that I co-host with. Some clients might want to do a podcast, but might not necessarily have the gift of gab and need a little bit of help or a little bit of coaching walking through it. I do that with them. I co-host or even ones, even ones where I'm just recording and I'm not on mic with them. I can walk them through in real time. Hey, you know what? Um, there was a dog bark in the background. I need you to say that again. Or, hey, that's really good. You might want to rephrase it and ask this question that way. And then to your question, Annie, in the pre-production process, putting together an outline, bullet points beforehand, I'm happy to work with a client on that stuff as far as you know, mapping out exactly where you want to go. For a lot of my clients, what I have them do is I have them send me bullet points, sort of a bullet point outline of the show the night before we record. And then when we get on the recording, okay, you know what? Let's let's move this around. Let's do this. Let's uh, let's do something like that. Um, and that way we can really uh, hone down on what we want to talk about. And of course, we can adjust things in real time too because it's all recorded. It's not live. Awesome. Very helpful. Um, and also, how long is the process between recording, editing, being ready to share it? Depends if you want to do all your episodes at once or if you want to release them one at a time as you record them. I tell clients just to be uh, just sort of under promise and over deliver. Once you send me the audio, once I have the audio, I'll have the audio turned around for you in a week or less. Generally, it's a couple of days. I always say a week just to protect myself. But um, And then when it comes to getting the podcast ready to go, once you've got your first piece of audio and your artwork, it's usually a couple of days uh, to a week to get it submitted to Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, and all the other various podcast apps. That actually leads into my last question. I'm sorry. I promise it's my last. No problem. Um, do you... Are you the person, like, do you submit the podcast to all those places that you were just talking about, or is that what your client usually does? That is, I mean, it depends on the client. I have some clients that are really, really hands-on and like to have control of everything, and if they prefer, I can walk them through submitting to Apple, Spotify, etc. The vast majority of my clients, I submit it myself. I take care of it. And then if you want to look at the analytics of your podcast, you just do that through your host. Um, and I handle all the backend stuff through my accounts. You don't have to worry about creating accounts and passwords and logins and all that kind of stuff. I take care of all that backend stuff. So you've got one interface you're dealing with, which is the podcast host. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. John, Any other questions? 
This oh, sorry, Rachel. No problem. Um, I have a question. There, I know that there are some programs that uh, take out the ums and, and things like that. Would you say overall those work well? Those are a waste of time and actually take out too many things? It depends. Uh, there is a platform that I have used called Descript, D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T, or Descript, if you want to say it phonetically. But they, they're kind of really interesting. What they do is they will transcribe your podcast into what essentially amounts to a Word document. And you can edit the podcast like you're editing a Word document. Mm -hmm. And they also have on their higher end plans, basically what they call a filler word deleter, where it'll seek and destroy all the ums and uhs and likes and you knows, whatever you said it for. I have found that particular program, which is probably the best out there right now, um, is good at taking out ums and uhs, but not perfect. And there are a lot of crutch words like, you know, kind of, I think, and the way people speak naturally it kind of runs into the next part of what they're saying. And the artificial intelligence is not quite there to make a clean edit like a human could or like I could with my experience. Descript is great for a lot of things. And when you train and a lot of these transcription programs, Rev, Otter, Descript, they're generally about 90 or so percent accurate. Um, so if you have a really long podcast, you don't want to edit it, you can always put up a transcription of your podcast, which is also great for accessibility for folks who might have audio impairments. Um, you can just post it as is and say, hey, transcript generated by AI may contain errors, or you can go through and, and change it and make sure it's exactly right. It doesn't say anybody's name wrong or anything like this. Um, Adobe is also working on something sort of under the radar that is going to be a similar program. So I'm curious to see what they come out with in the next few months. Um, it's good in a pinch. If you can't afford to have somebody edit it, you don't have time to edit it. You can use it for some things. Um, but the AI is not as good as an actual editor or anybody who, who does what I do, any of my colleagues as well at this point. Okay. Thank you. That's a great so question. Say a lot of people, um, do, uh, send out their, their, uh, not the scripts, the, um, wow. Audio? Yeah, the no, like the transcript um, when they're doing their podcast, do the, do people post that along with it often? It's becoming more and more the norm. And I, a big thing with podcasts, as I mentioned, is accessibility. And I think it's really just a good thing, whether it's ADA or anything like that, to have a script of your podcast if somebody wants to read it. Or some people prefer to read as opposed to listen. And some people who might have an issue where they have trouble listening, where they might not have the best sense of hearing, they can also read exactly what happened in the interview. I, it's not an absolute necessary must thing. It is something I strongly recommend. Uh, it escapes me at the moment, but there was one really large company that did not have transcripts of their podcasts and a group sued them under ADA. And they wanted to say, hey, you need to make this thing accessible to somebody. Think of it as putting a wheelchair ramp in front of a building. Like you want to make sure everybody has access to whatever you have inside. That's a great question. Uh, one more question for you. Um, what do you think about people who record a video with their podcasts? Of just them talking in their studio. It's fine. Um, and uh, There's sort of a double-edged sword there, Rachel. And I think it's absolutely great if you're comfortable doing that. Uh, a couple things to keep in mind. You can edit audio in a way that's much more forgiving than video. If you try to edit ums and uhs out of video, especially if you only have one uh, shot or one camera you're working from, you get that 16-year-old in her bedroom that's doing all those kind of like jump cut kind of things. And it can be really painful to watch. Um you know, 
so generally, if you're going to post the video, it's probably going to be an uncut conversation. Unless you've got like a major, major flub you want to take out. Um, it's great for YouTube. It's great for visuals on social media. Most of the top podcasts actually do not do video. But again, as I mentioned earlier, I would definitely say put your stuff on YouTube, even if it's audio only. Uh, that way you can be discoverable on YouTube and Google with your content for sure. Video is great if you're comfortable doing it. There are a lot of issues that come with it, um, and you can make video out of audio. But again, if you want to do it, be on YouTube and be on TikTok and be on Instagram and live and, and all those things, absolutely go for it. But it's not something you have to do. Okay, thank you. Any other questions for John? Um, Rachel, Rachel had a question in the chat, it looks like. Oh, and thank you for your comment, Brian. I just saw that in the chat. Thank you. Um, must listen to podcasts. I hesitate on that because that can depend on a lot of things. It can depend on your political lean. It can depend on your sports allegiances. It can depend on your worldview. Uh, if you like stand-up comedy, there are a million comedy podcasts out there. Every seems like every stand-up in you know, the world, especially in in COVID, uh, you know, who couldn't get up and perform on a stage, started doing a podcast. Um, I have much less time to listen to podcasts than I used to because I spend a lot of my day editing other podcasts. So I can't really listen to something while I'm editing somebody else's thing that I'm being paid to do. So um, the New York Times, the daily, as I mentioned earlier, is a great one for uh, just the daily news updates. Um, another one that I used to listen to, again, this goes with your political leans, but I listen to Pod Save America because those are, if you're not familiar with the show, it's one of the top five shows out there. That is a bunch of former Obama White House staffers uh, talking about the current state of politics. And it got uh, got interesting when you had the other party in control for four years. So I'll leave it at that. That was, uh, you know, interesting for those guys. But, you know, if there's any topic you're interested in, I can almost guarantee there's a podcast about it. You know, as I mentioned, I grew up in Boston. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a Patriots fan. There's a Patriots podcast that I listen to. There's Red Wings podcast. There's Tigers podcast. There's Lions podcast. There's, um, who am I forgetting? Pistons podcast. Sorry, that's my Boston bias. Um, so, you know, there's some, all you've got to do is go into Google or even Apple podcasts or Spotify and search a topic you're interested in. And I can almost guarantee that you'll find a podcast about it. And the trick is to just make sure that it's a podcast that's still active, still creating content uh, and hasn't given up on it and has got reasonably professionally uh, curated content. Again, you can start that podcast. You buy that $70, $80 microphone and you pay your $15 a month hosting fee uh, to your to your hosting provider. And you can have a pretty good sounding podcast for very little money. Was that a wave, Ellen, or was that a question? You're, you're muted. Oh, I was just saying hello to somebody. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Hi, John. Hello. I've been talking well, for an hour now, so I'm happy to hear anybody else who has any questions. I think um, I don't see any other questions either in the chat. No one's kind of waving me down. So thank you so much, John, um, for your information today. We did record this, and we'll be sharing this on our website. Um, if you'd like to hear it again. Um, or if you'd like to share it with, you know, a colleague who wasn't able to be on today or a potential co-host. Um, thank you all for your time. We do have, um, you know, events are in flux right now. We've had to postpone things and cancel other things. So keep an eye on our e-newsletter and social media for the, and our website for the most up-to-date chamber event information. 
Like I said, we appreciate all of you um, being flexible today and joining us online. And uh, feel free to reach out to our staff with any comments, questions, or concerns um, for, for anything that you need. So let us know if you'd like us to make a connection either with John or someone else who is on today or with another member. We're here to help you through these challenging times. So thank you again. If uh, anyone would like to say anything else, if not, we're good to go. So I appreciate you all joining us this morning. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone.